All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Everybody. Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. Thank you for joining us here. It's November 1st, Tim. Can you believe it? It's November 1st. Halloween's behind us. What did you do last night? Did you get into any mischief on Halloween, Tim? Do you trick or treat? Do you go out partying with all the kids on Halloween, wear your sexy costumes? I didn't do anything last night. I did go bar hopping on Saturday. So I did the whole costume thing then. What did you wear? I was um, a boom mic operator from like a movie set and I had like, I rigged up like with a broom handle and it looks, it looks pretty legit. And I would just like walk up to people hovered over their conversation. Like we were on a movie set and I had my headphones in and I was just, just, just hovering over them. People, people liked it. People laughed. It was pretty good. Did you, did you make some friends? How did, like you must start crazy conversations doing that. Yeah, people were like, "Is that thing on? Is that thing real?" And I was like, mm, "Just act as like act like it is," you know. Um, yeah, I didn't really take a good picture, but I'll just show it for the people watching online. It That's looks pretty funny. legit. Yeah, that does look legit. So I had the cable. I had like grabbed the U- random USB cable and wrapped it around and made it look like it was plugged in, and it was fun. It was a pretty fun one. What you, were you? In t- you were in t-shirts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Crazy. It, was, it was 80 degrees on on Saturday. It snowed here yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Just a little bit though. I didn't dress up. No, we did uh we went trick-or-treating though. We we've kind of missed it the last few years, but we went this year. The kids were all jacked up. We drove to a neighborhood, jumped out, a neighborhood my wife used to trick-or-treat at. <laughs> my life is never never a dull moment. So we get done, we get back to the van. And I'm trying to open the doors. I'm like, the doors aren't opening. They're locked. I'm like, I never lock the doors because I always leave the keys in the car. Always. I never take my keys out of my car. My second oldest starts crying. I'm like, what's wrong? Like, she's just very upset. I'm like, what what do you do? We just finished trick-or-treating. What's going on? I can see her frantically searching through her bag. She's like, I had, I put it in the bag. I put them in the bag. I'm like, what are you talking about? And she goes, I took the car keys out of the car when we were leaving and locked the doors. And I put the keys in my trick-or-treating bag. And I'm like, what? Like, what? And she's never done this before. It's 730. The temperatures are dropping. It's probably 30 degrees and, you know, dropping. Everybody's wet and cold and we want to go home and we have no way to get home. 
my wife's sleeping with the baby. She's not going to answer her phone. She puts that thing on silent. I'm just like, what do we do? So we couldn't find the keys. We walked around the neighborhood. She must have lost it running from one house to the next. And it was just a disaster. I had to call my wife's mom to come and pick us up. I'm like, we're stranded. Come and pick us up. Luckily, yeah, we got home at 830. I was testing my patience with my kid, though. Boy, oh, boy. It was. uh... So where were they? I haven't found them. No, that was last night. So this happened last night. And then we, you know, got home, went to bed. I woke up, drove my kid to school in the morning. My wife came. We picked up the van with the spare set of keys and I haven't really done anything. So they're in someone's front lawn somewhere. Just crazy. You test your patience with kids. I wanted to react and start screaming, but I'm like, okay, keep it cool. I was proud of myself. Cool, calm, and collected. Like, it's not your fault. But in my head, I'm like, it's completely your fault. Made a series of weird decisions. And then, you know, she was pulling them out of her bag every couple of minutes to make sure they were still there. And that's how she dropped them at one point. There's no way it comes out otherwise. One of the twins, no, one of the twins goes, Estelle. Yeah, I saw candy flying out of your bag when you were running from house to house, but I didn't say anything. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, because she was probably going around the world with the bag and running up and down and the candy was balancing and stuff. And she gets excited. And uh, I don't know. Kids are funny. But yeah, all in all, it was a good night. Got a bunch of candy, made it home. It was a good night. Trick or treating was a success. Anyways, you know what else is a success, Tim? Give better. I think half of our listeners have signed up. We're waiting for the other half to sign up. I don't know what's taking you guys so long because Give Better is a real deal. If you go to givebetter.app slash DTG right now, and the clock's ticking, Tim. We have a few weeks left until they draw for the two tickets. They're they're pulling the name out of the hat November 27th. And once that's done, the tickets are gone. So you got about three weeks left to get in there. Go to givebetter.app slash DTG. Do a quick survey, three or four questions. It's super easy. You don't have to give them your credit card information or anything like that. They just want to know some information. If you do that, you'll be entered to win two tickets to any NHL game of your choice. Any one, Tim, in the whole world, mostly USA and Canada. But you can go see the game in March. You can go see the game next week. They'll buy you two tickets, lower bowl, anywhere you want to go. Primo Tickets, Give Better, knows what they're doing. Go to givebetter.app slash DTG to sign up for that, and you'll win some tickets. And then on top of it, maybe you sign up for the company, and it's a good company. You you gamble a little bit. You lose all your losses. 25% of all losses go to charity of your choice. So it's a win-win. Win some hockey tickets maximize your losses that money goes to charity so it's uh it's a good thing speaking of charity tim my segues are on point today do you know what happens when someone gets suspended where all that money goes um it goes into a player pool right the player assistance program so players once they're done you know maybe they run into a little bit of trouble there's a whole pool of money that you can pull from to help someone out people who are down their luck people who are injured post hockey and they need a surgery this and that there's a pool of money that people pull from. Not many people do it, but if you're really hard, you know, and you're down on your luck, you can pull from that money. Well, Charlie McAvoy decided to donate some money to that fund because he went crazy a couple of days ago when they played the Florida Panthers and he nailed Oliver Ekman Larson, the dirtiest hit I've seen in a long time. 
And there's a few dirty here. It's hits every year. Everybody steps outside the lines. This one, for some reason, when I looked, when I looked at it and when I watched it over and over and over again, because you want to slow it down. What's the intent? Did he have time to stop? Did he have time to change directions? What's what's Oliver Ekman Larson doing? Is he changing his head level? Is he moving? This was the most blatant hit that I've seen of someone just targeting the head. He picked his head. That's all you can say. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You're a Bruins fan. What are your thoughts? Are you going to defend this goon after this hit on OEL? No, no. Dirty hit, worthy suspension. Like you said, if you break it down in every category on on the, the posture and the timing, and even like you watch his eyes and McAvoy's got him lined up. The whole like time. He's, he's, the whole time he's making eye contact and then sort of OEL is just a little bit taller than him. It looks like, or McAvoy slouching because it kind of comes up a little bit and it not the elbow, the elbows tucked, but the shoulder and the neck just snaps. And uh, yeah, I, I, he came back later in that game. Luckily uh, he, you know, we went down the tunnel, but McAvoy got the five and then he got four games. So I think it was, that was uh, the right call. You think the right suspension length? He's a repeat offender. He's been suspended before. I don't know what his first suspension was for. I'm sure you know. But as a repeat offender, the suspensions are supposed to get more lengthier to have a bigger impact. Four games seems fairly lean in my eyes for a hit like that. That's exactly the type of hit Gary Bettman's trying to take out of the game. And this is the this is the side that I don't like is the fact that it's Charlie McAvoy, star defenseman for the Boston Bruins. We know their owner in Boston, Jacobs, is best buddies with Gary Bettman. Whenever there's a vote, whenever there's a decision, Gary Bettman knows he's got Jeremy Jacobs in his back pocket trying to persuade all the other owners to let's go let's rally behind Gary. Does something smell fishy to you that this is only a four-game suspension for this really, really egregious, dirty hit? predatory no no i don't think are that's... you kidding me what based what on was what was this for did you look up his first suspension while i was talking what was it yeah he was suspended once in 2019 for an illegal check to the head come <laughs> on josh anderson and when he was on the blue jackets how many games um doesn't say doesn't say and then he was fined once for a tripping so third offense unbelievable that he only gets four games. And I always compare it to myself when I played, because that's the first logical thing I do. My first suspension was seven games for a quote unquote hit to the head of Louis Erickson. Yours is way worse than this. Stop. No. How is it worse? Elbow to the head. Come on. Come on. It wasn't to the head. There are multiple angles where I didn't even hit his head. How was how was mine worse? Mine's a bang bang play where Louis Erickson dumps it in, and I'm hitting him a fraction of a second later. Oliver Ekmarkson hits the puck away from the crease, and it's a solid two seconds later that McAvoy hits him. How was this any any different than what I did? It this is the stuff that really makes me think that there's some kind of collusion in hockey. He should be getting a minimum of seven to ten games for this hit. Right. If it's all fair, he's a repeat offender. He picks the head. He has copious amounts of time to stop, to change direction, to not hit him. But he decides to follow through. It's a defenseless player. 
He doesn't make he, he hits the hits the head. Primary point of contact is the head with his shoulder. It's insane that he only gets four games in my eyes. I don't I don't know that I totally agree with that, but I'm a little bit surprised that they didn't make an example out of him. And probably they didn't because it's McAvoy, like you said. Exactly. If it was OEL hitting McAvoy, they'd probably throw, throw the book at him just to say, okay, they're sending a message, but they have to wait for the right player to send the message to the rest of the league. And they don't want to make it with a super, well, I would say superstar, a star defenseman. So yeah, I guess, I guess that, um, that was a weird little last comment. A star defenseman. Not as you're, like, you throw superstar around. Like it's like, it's nothing. I'm trying, I'm trying to check myself. Cause if I said I like it, that. you would have called me out on it. So I almost would think McAvoy is a superstar. That's funny. I would not have checked you. Cause I think he's a girl. I think he's a top five D man in the league. When he's, he's not, not a dirty player. I mean, yes, he's, not he a dirty, he's not a dirty player. He made, he made a bad decision on Monday, you know, but does one hit make you a dirty player? Does two hits? Two hits over five years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got labeled a dirty player. I you only were, got one hit. You were, you were a dirty player. Now you were. I, I've only one guy I hit. I got labeled dirty player. He's done it twice. I yeah. actually watched, I showed somebody I work with my suspension on Tim Jackman the other day. It was hilarious. I like, I, I turn around, I hit him right on the button and he, it, the aftermath, if you haven't seen it, go and check it out. Um, Google John Scott, Tim Jackman suspension. <laughs> it's so funny. We should do a social media clip of this. I turn around and he's just starfished on the ground, like sleeping. And the camera zooms right in on his face. And he's just, you can tell he's not there. And I'm just, I, I'm looking around like, I don't know what's going on. What happened? And he, I'm just, I'm just, I'm talking to the ref, the other players. I'm like, I turned around, he's taking a nap. It's crazy. I did not get a penalty on that play. Speaking of uh, of that, did you see the um, Liam O'Brien and Nick Foligno fight the other day? Liam O'Brien is the biggest piece of trash there is. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You've never don't explained like him. why. You never explained why that's the case. Um, we got into an altercation when he was with Washington. I was with Ariz San Jose. I tried to fight him. And he stuck his tongue out at me and kind of embarrassed me. He was a rookie. He was running around. And I said, I'm going to jump you, kid. Slow it down. I'm going to beat your doors up. And he, like, stuck his tongue out. And I tried to grab him. I couldn't grab him. I I never forgot that. And then so I I ran into him again when I was in St. John's. Did the same thing in the AHL. Kind of ducked me the whole game. I ran into him at the bar that night. And I confronted him. Because I don't let that crap slide, Tim. You know that. So I went right up to him in the bar. I said, there's no refs now. What, what are we going to do now? I wanted to I wanted to get into a bar fight. We were at Green Sleeves in St. John's, Newfoundland. I'm like, let's go. Let's let's settle this. This will be, be great. All his teammates were there. His whole team was there. I was there with two guys. Two guys. And we were upstairs. They were downstairs. I think we were just finishing up dinner. And I was like, let's go. Like, I'm done with this. You've embarrassed me on national television. There's memes all about it. Everybody thought it was great. He was standing up to me, sticking out his tongue. I'm like, we're in green sleeves. No one's going to find out about it. I beat you into the ground right now. And his teammates like, don't do it, Leon. Don't do it. Like, uh, we got to like this and that. And they walked out. It was embarrassing. Ever since then, I just really hate the guy. So I don't, I don't think he has any class. His hair is disgusting. He's got the stupid beard. And he jumps Nick Felino. 
after Nick Foligno on the draw says we should fight. They were down three to one. He's trying to rally or was it one, one? I don't know the, the circumstance it's after a goal. Felino asks him to fight. O'Brien probably says, no, I can't a little later. We just scored. Then he jumps him from behind the type of guy. He is it's, it's par for the course with Liam O'Brien beautifully done. Felino beats the tar out of him. A Felino, a 35 year old, veteran who's been around the block, who's on the back three of his career. This could be his last year beats up a supposed tough guy, Tim, a guy whose only job is to fight. It's embarrassing for Liam O'Brien. I love the little mouse he got on his eye. It's, it was glorious. I'm going to send Felino a Christmas card and potentially a gift certificate for that fight. I loved it. I loved everything about it. And then Liam O'Brien gets a Gordie Hill hat trick. He gets a goal off his skate. Didn't even know the puck was there. He's so dumb. And he gets a, some backhanded assist. He wasn't even trying to pass it. It made me sick to my stomach looking at that box score. Oh, drove me bananas. But anyways, Liam O'Brien, don't like him. Don't care for him. Well, I was going to ask about that same fight because he did jump Felino because you like it's quick and Felino like definitely is a willing partner. Like he's starting to straight his mitts, but but uh, O'Brien's already punching him. Already punching. I hated that. Didn't like Do it. Do you think the Felino family is the toughest family in the NHL? Those two guys, maybe even the best all around hockey player when you combine toughness and skill and grit and everything. It's them or the Kachucks. You got to give it to the Kachucks. Yeah. yeah. But the Felinos, I would say, are tougher. Don't you think? I think Marcus yeah. and Nick are tougher than Matthew and Brady, but it's it's darn close. I want to get Marcus back on the show. Let's get Moose. Get Moose over here? But yeah, we should. But anyways, good for Nick Felino. Not, not a good <clears throat> result for the Chicago Blackhawks. They looked out of sorts. Lost, losing 8-1 to one to the Arizona Coyotes. Not good. Kind of a kind of a match of the two front runners for the Norris Trophy, Logan Cooley and Connor Bedard. The not the Norris, the um Calder, excuse Calder. me. Yeah. Yeah, you're but I'm sorry, I, I misspoke. But yeah. Bedard didn't look great. He gets the first goal. He needs we got I gotta work with him. I gotta I gotta sit him down and sit with him. He's been playing a lot of games. I gotta get on the ice with him and do a little one-on-one skill. Speaking of guys getting jobs, I uh, see Jumble Joe's already got a job. No, what is it? He is the Team Canada liaison, trying helping to pick Team Canada for the Spengler Cup. <laughs> he's just he's going to do that from his couch. He's going to do it. He he owns a place in Switzerland, so he's going to be just in the area. He's going to cash a check that says Team Canada on it for probably three hundred grand, and he's just going to pick guys. He's going to be great because you'll be able to call guys in the league and say, hey, you're not going to make the playoffs. But I think players will respond to him more than Jerome Ginla, who across the board, nobody really liked. That's so, not true. Stop it. Um, it's, it is true. People don't like Jerome Ginla. Not really. Players didn't. Why? <laughs> you just made that up. You just I did made not. that up right now. I mean, he's, he's a tough. I, I, yeah. If you don't, if you're playing against him, you don't like him very much, but he's not like a, a not unliked player in the league. How do you know that? You played for 10 years? No. Did you? I did. And I, I heard stories that people didn't really care for him. And I didn't really care for him. So there, that's, there's that. All right. What, what else are we talking about here, Tim? We really yeah, got so, off the rails here. I know. I, I want to talk about this these tweets that I saw that I think are really interesting. Um, Slavkovsky, that the first overall pick last year for the, for the Canadians. Really interesting thread from a man named Simon Semberg. He's a hockey guy over in Europe. 
And I think he's got a point. So Slavkovsky right now obviously had a disappointing start to the season last year, goes down with injury. This year, through nine games, he has zero goals, one assist. I'm going to read his tweets now. The Habs made every mistake possible with Slavkovsky from the minute he was drafted, escorting him like royalty through the locker room, handing him number 20, signing him, keeping him with the team, not releasing him to the World Juniors and Worlds when he was clearly not NHL ready. This harm can't be undone, but at the very least, Lias Anderson should be given a chance while Slav should be sent to Europe to regain confidence rather than to the the AHL where Euros very seldom develop. Of course, it will not happen. The NHL is a league made for business, not development. All NHL GMs think they can do the last 5% of a player's development when someone else has provided the first 95. So many careers have been stalled that way. Pity. I kind of like the way he worded this. And you've talked a lot about this too, but especially that third tweet where he says, the NHL is a league made for business, not development. The GMs expect everyone else to develop the first 95% of a player's um, development and the last 5% just come together and it doesn't work that way. Most of the time, it doesn't work that way. And you've seen that with Slavkovsky, who's just, it's like Yakupov, right? The confidence issues, he's not finding his groove. I don't I don't think English is, English is his first language. And so he's just not working out. And they have a decision now. He can't play another game and, and be sent down or sent elsewhere um, if he plays the 10th game. So I don't know. What do you think about this? Uh, it's It's very tricky and nuanced and there's a lot of moving parts with the first overall pick like you, you <laughs> like you you got to see this guy in the lineup especially in a hockey hotbed like montreal where fans demand production they they, they want to see a first overall pick they they look at the last first overall picks from the last 10 years and it's just superstars laden with guys who are making impacts all over the league and you have your guy here, a controversial first overall pick that really people didn't expect in a very not overwhelming draft, and they want to see him in the lineup. So it is what it is. You're, they kind of force your hand. Luke Hughes it has to put him in. You you have to play him. But, yeah, I've seen it happen over and over again where these guys get rushed into the NHL, and it's they're just in over their head. Ideally, you send Sklovsky back to Europe and you give him some time to season and he grows into an NHL player because he has all the tools. People were comparing him to Yarmy Yager when he was drafted. Big body, controls the puck, not overly fast, but a good, solid power forward. It hasn't translated. I don't think he was ready for the NHL size, the strength, and he's just being overmatched. He looks a step slow. In juniors or whatever league he was playing in the in Europe, he could use his physicality to just out muscle people. You can't do that in the NHL. Like you're a 19 year old kid, you're not going to out muscle a 30 year old man. So I don't know. I get what this agent is talking about. The other guy he's talking about this Lias Anderson. He was a first overall, a seventh overall pick, first round for the Rangers back in 2017. So I don't know why he's bringing this guy into the mix. He's obviously he's playing for Laval Rocket right now. He's having an okay start, nine points in seven games. But I don't know why he's dragging into this him into the conversation. This is this guy an agent, Tim? Does he have some kind of, you know? I don't know what he's doing, but anyways, yeah, players get their careers wrecked all the time. It happens. Yeah, he's a managing managing director of the Alliance of European Hockey Clubs, and he's a long time. He's got you know seven thousand followers, including some of the the big guys. So he was retweeted by um, Craig Button, which is how I saw it. So 
Uh, pretty interesting. But well, what, what else do you, is what, it? what do you want them to do though? If the Montreal sure. Canadiens draft him first overall, what what should they do? Should they just send him back? But look at I like I don't I mean the way that Bedard talked about like I'm I hope I make the team. You know what I mean? And and he gets I mean I guess ninety eight is probably a number who chose, but th- doesn't the fact like choosing your number isn't that a big deal? Yeah, but every every first overall pick has chose their number. Do you think McDavid came in and was number thirty eight? No, he was ninety seven yeah. right away. Like these these guys get afforded that because they're the first overall pick. The jump from juniors and college and Europe is not as big as it used to be. Guys are stepping in and making immediate impacts in the NHL every single year. Owen Power, he comes right in. He makes an immediate impact. McDavid, like all these guys. So I don't know. Like, I think I, it's more on him than the yeah, team. Yeah, absolutely. It it seems to me that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the draft picks from Europe have a harder time adjusting to the NHL game than the college and junior players over here. It seems that 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 gap is larger for whatever reason. I think, yeah, there's obviously the North American game and the European game, but that, that whole stigma is changing. And I think that's not even a thing anymore. I think when you go to Sweden, when you go to Finland and you see those elite leagues, it's very much an NHL game. So I don't know. seems like those European guys have a hard time adjusting for the most part than guys coming out of juniors or college. So I don't know, Tim, I don't feel bad for Stokowski though. I really don't. He's got to step it up. Like we give a hard time Lafreniere. No one's sticking up for him. We're being critical of Lafreniere. Like, let's go. Yeah. Sink or swim, kid. But this guy's from Europe, so we have to give him a pass because there's a language barrier, this and that. No, you're the first overall pick. That comes with some expectations. You have to produce. I just think about Yakupov, and it's like, man, if someone had start doing the right things his second year things could have gone differently for him. And, and part of that's on him, but a lot of it's on the organization. And I feel like the same thing's happening again, where it's like, oh, if we could just get, get this right, this guy could be a special player for us. But I don't know. He could turn but it around. I hope he what's does. What's right, though? I, I think that's – nobody knows what right is. Do you send him back and let him develop or let him just get complacent in Europe and dominate? Then he comes over here and the same thing happens, and you just waste a year of not knowing who this kid is. Yeah, I don't know. Or he comes over and he's Panarin or Kuznetsov and those guys and he that dominates. Yeah. Whatever. He'll Kuznetsov. <laughs> yeah. He's not going to figure it out. He's he's <laughs> It's a yes to Poviari. Yeah. Yeah. Those Canadian teams can't draft Europeans, I'm telling you. It just doesn't work. Stick yeah. with Canadians. That's what yeah. Lafreniere, Slavkovsky, Jack Hughes, though. He's special. He's something. He's my favorite player. Who's a good European player, Tim, that, that we're missing? Um, From a first overall? Yeah, maybe Panarin. He's a good player. Well, if he was a first overall, he, he would fit into this category because guess what? Panarin is this week's crown royal generous guy. Oh, he cool. leads the Rangers with 10 assists in nine games, and the Rangers have won five straight. That's five. He's got 15 points, in, which is 136-point pace, which I know is kind of silly after nine games to do the pace thing, but he's never cleared 100 points in a year. He was close during one of the lockout years, which if he played 82, I think he had like 94 and, and 60 or 70 games or something. So he was close, but he's never had 100. 
And so this could be the year that he does it. And remember, generosity lives in the small things. It doesn't need money or an audience or even acknowledgement. It just needs a few good people. Crown Royal, crown everything. Are you ready to just concede that I was right on the New York Rangers? Or is it too early? Uh, it's it's early. It's early, but they look pretty good right now. They look pretty I good. I have them winning the East. You did the whole East? Uh, I yeah. am missing the playoffs. <laughs> I know. Isn't that um, just amazing that we were so far off on this team? A lot of people had them taking a step back this year. Just based on last year's playoffs, they didn't really do much this offseason. They lose Kane. They lose Tarasenko. I like this Rangers team. I think they're really, really good. And they're obviously showing that early on in the season. They're 7-2. and two. They've won five in a row. It, they're a dangerous team, Tim. I really, I really think they'll be there right at the end fighting for a Stanley Cup in the Eastern Conference. Out of all those juggernaut teams, murderers row coming into the playoffs. I like this team. They got Zabinajad. They got Capo Caco on the first line. He's starting to pick it up a little bit. And they got Shosturkin. But I just think they have the recipe for a, a really long playoff run. Hopefully, hopefully. How many people had Vancouver and Detroit in the top five in November? Isn't that it's funny? Crazy. Yeah. Also, Vancouver's a fun story. I like Vancouver. We got to get JT Miller on the show and talk about the turnaround. What's the difference between last year and this year? Yeah, but then we might jinx them. So I don't, maybe not. But how about the fact that it's November and the Sharks haven't won a game yet? There's zero, Ten. eight, and one. They're a bad hockey team. Yeah. They miss Eric Carlson. They <laughs> really do. <laughs> so, how about last show? We talked about how I dropped him on fantasy. The very next game, he scores first period power play. And I'm like, great. You know, we got to go fast forward an hour and a half later. You sent me a text saying, hey, check out Eric Carlson's big pizza turnover to lose the game right at the end of the third period. It, it was a, a beautiful microcosm of his whole career. A beautiful play on offense, a nice snipe on the power play, and then he stinks on defense. He gives the puck away in a crucial time, and they lose the game. But he's probably driving back to his mansion in a great mood because he got a goal. It's just so funny. Well, okay, let's talk about just fantasy real quick. That was still a bonehead move, and you're going to regret dropping him. But that pass was brutal. Like that's like that's not that's the pass that like the worst guy on your men's league team makes and then you yell at him and he gets defensive. Like just didn't even look up and then of course they lose the game that way. It's overtime. They're 5 on 3 by the way. It's just crazy. I couldn't believe it. I know you laughed. I know you were smiling when you saw that. No one's picked him up. Is that right? So if, it, if I don't I don't see people who have picked up, but I I I don't think People have picked him up. So if, if he's that valuable, why wouldn't have somebody grabbed him? He got picked up as soon as he was available. Oh, did he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. They're going to re regret that. But anyways, he's a terrible defenseman. I think we can just put a stamp on that. They're five on three, and he throws a pizza right up the middle. That gets easily picked off, and a guy comes out of the box for a breakaway, and it's game over. Like, you, you could have had a power play going into overtime. You still get a five on three. In overtime, if you go in and four on three, it's just a bonehead move. So good for Eric Carlson, tough for the Pittsburgh Penguins. There they are. There's hemorrhaging points left and right. Them and the San Jose Sharks are not good. It, it's a race to the bottom now for those two teams. What do you do? You see, speaking of bad teams, this isn't even on the agenda. Did you see the Calgary Flames halted all conversation talks? With Noah Hannafin, I think the other one is Lindholm. All those guys who are going to be UFAs this year. 
they had apparent contracts ready to be signed, but their recent skid, they have just halted all contract talks with these guys. And they just said, you know what? We're going to revamp the whole team, which I love. Craig Conroy has had enough. They're not winning. Why are we going to keep signing these guys to long-term deals if they just are terrible together and they can't string together wins? What can this team get, Tim? You got Elias Lindholm, you got Dylan Dubé, you got a treasure trove on the back end. Noah Hannafin, Christopher Tanev, Nikita Zadorov, Jordan Oosterly, and Gilbert doesn't really matter. But those four defensemen are solid NHL caliber defensemen. Could this team have a quicker turnaround than we think if they go out and grab a bunch of first rounders and nail it in the draft and parlay those first rounders into some talent? I don't know. What well, do you think about this? I like the, one of the things they have going in their favor is they have some really appealing contracts that they can trade. All those guys you just mentioned, there's going to be suitors for every one of them. I mean, Lindholm is a big one. 4.85 is huge. Hannafin's under 5 million as well. So like those are, those are, there's a who doesn't want that guy on their team. And so um, all good contracts too. Like these are, that's one kind of bright light in the situation, knowing that you can go out and get some really solid value and assets. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter the draft picks, whatever. If your $10 million player isn't doing anything, you're not doing anything. You yeah. know what I mean? It's so like you can go nail it at the draft and have a bounce back season from Coleman and Backlund and Manjapani next year. But if Huberdo's, even if he puts up 70 points, it's not very much for him. And he's a pass first guy. It's going to be a 20 goal, 50 assist season. That doesn't get you anything for 10 million bucks. So it's still up to those players, I think. But hopefully they can go out and get some good value for these pieces because people will be interested. Yeah, I'm excited for them. This is a good transition. I think it's nice when a GM, everybody knows I say that. It's nice when a GM just says, you know what, we're not that team. It's time to move on. I think they can all resoundingly agree the Kadri Huberdo additions are just a big failure. It's it's a big turd. They they should have never signed those two guys and tried to just revamp the team on the fly when they lost uh, Goudreau and Kachuk. It was a good try, but it just didn't work. That was um uh that wasn't Conroy that made those contracts, right? No, it was trivialing. Yeah, tree living. Yeah. Tree living. But anyways. Uh, that's funny. So a couple of quick hits here, uh, which are always brought to you by DoorDash. Paul Stadney retired. Eight hundred and twenty two points in eleven hundred and forty five regular season games. He played for the Avs, Blues, Jets, Golden Knights, and Carolina Hurricanes. Pretty good career, underrated guy. He basically said like he came into the league quietly and he's going out quietly. He just... Talk about like being aware. He did. He came in like a lamb and left like a lamb. Yeah. But he put up some decent points. I'm actually very surprised. Almost a point per game guy. And he played, gosh, almost almost 1,200 games. Good for him. Look at That's his early seasons. Yeah, multiple years with over 70 points. He's playing, you know, two seeded Joe Sackick when he first came up his rookie year. And Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's a nice. He's a, he's a good like he's a transition between eras, you know. Yeah. Like he played with Sackick and Bedard, you know, and um, or against Bedard. Um. So anyway, uh, Ryan O'Reilly, a thousand games. Did he play against Bedard no, though? No, you're right. I, but I don't know. He didn't technically retire till after Bedard started. So. Well, so did um, Jumbo Joe. So. Tell you what, Jumbo. I didn't realize he didn't play last year. So far, so far back. You send that text by the way to Joe. No. No. Working on Still it. drafting it. Still okay, drafting it. Run it by me first. I'll give you some feedback. Of course. Of course. Um, Ryan O'Reilly played a thousand games. Good for him. Matthew Portois uh, officially made the Bruins last night. He's going to stay with the big club. He's got three goals, two assists. 
in nine games. Really, really solid um, start. Getting a lot of praise from his linemates, from his teammates, from head coach Jim Montgomery. They all love him. So good for him. I like those stories when those guys, uh, when they stick around. Well, talk about a godsend. They were really in tough for a centerman on this team. Like after losing Krejci and Bergeron, they had no idea what direction they were going to go. Remember people were banding about Shifley, you're going to go out and get Lindholm. We're going to have to fill this spot with a high profile guy who's making a ton of money. You sign this rookie who's making league men. It's <laughs> It could not have worked out any better for Cam Neely and the Boston Bruins. Like it, it's it's such a stroke of luck. Isn't that what, like, if 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 he doesn't do what he's doing, Cam Neely is the one who looks bad, and, yeah. and Don Sweeney's the one who looks bad, and just for one rookie with playing, not even crazy start, five points, but just enough to, like, take the pressure off, and got the fans excited because he's 19. If you got that it's, same pressure from a 30-year-old free agent, no one's doing anything about it. But he's a young he, kid, he's exciting, you see the future, and all of a sudden, Don Sweeney's a genius. He's in the mix for the Calder. Yeah. I, I, he'll get the opportunity. He's obviously playing well. He's up for the whole year. Is he getting any power play time? It looks to me not yet. Maybe second unit, he gets some time. Maybe, yeah. I, I think know. he does. Maybe on the second unit. But gosh, I'm rethinking my Bedard Calder trophy. Luke Hughes has looked very good with New Jersey Devils. There's a kid in Ottawa who's playing pretty well. His name is escaping me right now. And then you got this Potois kid in Boston. So gosh, Bedard better pick it up. He really, really better pick it up. And same with Logan Cooley. They both started fairly strong. And now, I don't know. I don't know, Tim. His 100-point pace isn't really working out for me. Bedard, is, uh, he does lead the rookies in goals, but it's only four. So um, not I want to just just tease this out for next episode. I think we should talk about nothing. We, we haven't talked about the Leafs a whole lot, but their offseason additions have not impressed um, Bertuzzi's not playing well. Klingberg's not playing well. Domi, Reeves, Gregor. Um, we can kind of go deep on that because these guys are are not doing well. And meanwhile, Austin Matthews has just one goal in his last seven games after starting the season off with back-to-back hat tricks. So something's off there. And they're five, three, and one, which is a good start. But that's like sixth place in their in their uh, division just because of how they, they just got booed off the ice last night playing the LA Kings. They were down three rep after two periods and they got resoundingly booed off the ice. So things are not going well in Toronto. Samsonov still not himself. Justin Wall has played okay, not good last night, but a lot of question marks. But unlike years past, I'm not worried about them. I think after talking to Derek Stepan a few weeks back, they just want to get in. You know, I'm I'm not if they finish the fifth, if they finish first, it doesn't matter. I don't want to go, you know, all crazy about the Toronto Maple Leafs. They will make the playoffs, right? Bertuzzi will find his way. He'll he'll get there. He's he's maybe not comfortable playing with the high end guys, or maybe the high end guys aren't really gelling with him so far. But yeah, early results not good on the additions, but I. I I think we got to give him some time. Give him a few months. Feel it out. But yeah, we can talk about what, what's him. Oh, man, you've changed. You've changed. I just feel like the, the urgency is not there for Toronto. It really isn't. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It Maybe was... that comes with winning around. I don't know. I expect them to be there at the end because they have been for the last seven years. I don't know. I'm just not worried about them. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to be fine. I think the East, what we'll see is, much like it happened last year, there will be six teams. That'll be a lock. 
And then the last two spots will be up for grabs. And it'll be a race to see who's the wild card. But in each each division, I think the top three are going to be the same three that are always there. It'll be Boston, Toronto, Tampa. It'll be the Rangers, the Devils, and Carolina. Carolina, Carolina. yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But uh, let's let's not get too, too ahead of ourselves with the Leafs. Let's just give them a little bit of time. Okay. Right, Tim? Okay. I can do that. I'll work on that. All right. Well, we'll get into it a little bit. I hope everybody had a good Halloween. Eat some candy. Get out there. Make a difference. We'll talk to you on Friday. We're back to three days a week. It's fantastic. I love it. I hope everybody else loves it. All right. We'll talk to you Friday, everybody. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 